think that's better. So the kids came in. They have chef hats on. I asked Pastor Oliver, what's up? And he says, I don't know, what's cooking? So <laughs> I guess I'm going to find out what's cooking. We have a, a couple special things for us to gather together as a church family today. Hey, with that Thanksgiving thing, there's an email that goes out to you every week, and I sent it out yesterday, and I said you need to bring two large family-sized portions of a main dish and a side dish, and then you can also bring salads or desserts if you want. I get a text from my wife, and she says, Carrie, nobody's going to come if you require all that much. <laughs> I just want to have a lot of food. And I don't want to have to worry about, you know, hey, is everything there, that kind of thing. But if you can't bring anything, still come. We want you to be here. And uh, we're going to set up this room banquet style. And we do have the High Hopes uh, uh, group of uh, uh, adult Down syndrome that are going to do uh, chimes and bells. And it's going to help bring in the holiday season. So please come and be a part of that. We uh, passed through this last weekend, though, um, Veterans Day. And uh, sometimes it comes and goes fairly quickly, especially when it moves around through the course of a week. But uh, we would just like to acknowledge today, if you have served in the uh, armed forces of the United States of America, would you please stand? Stay standing for a second. If... If you are a family member of some one of these, would you please stand? Because it's a family ordeal to be able to be a part of that. And so thank you so much for your service to the country and your ongoing heart for our nation. Thank you very much. God bless. You may be seated. The next thing that we have opportunity to do as a church family is to have a parent-child uh, dedication. And we'll talk a little bit more about that, but to prepare our hearts and endear our hearts to what it means for us to support parents of children, as evidenced by those who came in this morning. Um, watch this. A holy stewardship, a precious opportunity, a divine calling, parent. Parenting isn't just about babysitting and potty training. It's not just about teaching them to ride a bike or tie a shoe. It isn't just about making lunches and brushing teeth. Parenting is about changing the world. It's about reminding our kids who they really are, children of God, born for his glory. So parents, let's remember that the most important meetings of your day aren't in a conference room or on a stage, but at the dinner table and at the bedside. Let's remember that there's no quality time without quantity time. That the most valuable thing is not what you leave for them, but what you leave in them. That every time they fall down, you have the responsibility and the privilege of lifting them back up. Remember, that your kids don't need you to be popular, productive, and certainly not perfect. They need you to be present. And remember that every time you wipe away the tear on their cheek, you're giving them a glimpse of the day when God himself will wipe away every tear forever. The Bible tells us to train up a child in the way they should go, and even when they're old, they will not depart from it. So show them the way. Pray for their soul and give them your best because God gave you to them. So we have four families this morning that are going to dedicate their children to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's not that they have not done this before, especially as they have some older ones that are being dedicated. But uh, every now and then we have the opportunity to be able to pray together with them as they freshly dedicate themselves as parents. 
and we dedicate the children um, to the Lord Jesus Christ. In Scripture, uh, there is no sacrament of some parent-child dedication. Some churches do an infant baptism, all those kinds of things, but we see in Scripture the opportunity for us to give reflection on dedicating our children. And so uh, with that, I'm going to introduce uh, the parents, and one at a time, the parents are going to be uh, introducing their child or their children. So with that, I'm going to ask Justin and Aaron Breck to come. When you pick a name for a child, it's a big deal, right? And so I'm going to have them announce and name their child publicly. This is uh, Jacob James Brecht. Jacob James Brecht, you were born in 2018. You're four years old. Can I just tell you, this is a little bit of a special moment for the pastor because Jacob and I, we became friends and his mom works around the church with Littles. Jacob got to know me as the guy on the TV during COVID. And so he thought I was famous when he really started to grow into his own. And I sort of like that. So Jacob and I are pretty cool. <laughs> What's that? Oh, and that's right. And the same birthday. That's why we're connected so well on June 3rd. Their life verse for him is... Colossians 3.12, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And Jacob, we have a Bible for you and we have some roses for your parents. And next is Misiel and Jordan, and they are going to you are welcome to introduce the name of your child that's being dedicated, and you can also share the name of the other child that's been dedicated. So we are dedicating our daughter, Alethea Rose Zuniga, and this is our son, Zayden Matthew Zuniga, who's Alethea, already been dedicated. Who has been dedicated before. Alethea, your verse that your parents chose for you is a beautiful passage out of Psalm. Psalm 107, 28, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. I don't think that has anything to do with how you go to sleep at night, right? <laughs> they were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Welcome, and we have a Bible for you as well. Next, we have Nick and Lana, and they have a whole crew. And we will have them name their children one at a time, beginning with the oldest. Lila, Athena, Camaro, Verrecchio. It, uh, Lila, it sort of sounds like what happens at graduation, which is just a few years out. They announce your name. You come across the stage. Is that cool? But uh, your um, folks picked Deuteronomy 31.6. It's a great verse. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Blessings. Jacob Isaiah Camaro. Jacob, you a ball player? Baseball player? That's cool. Good picture, man. Good form. He goes, oh my goodness, my picture's up there. He didn't even know. 
Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Thank you, Jacob. That's a great verse. Natalia Penelope Camaro. And your verse comes with it with Joshua 1.9. I've commanded you to be brave and strong, haven't I? Don't be alarmed or terrified because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen. Amen. Amalia Isabella Ferreccio. We couldn't put how many years old this baby was just born. <laughs> Nick and Lana are in uh, the rooted group that I'm a part of, and we prayed them through the whole labor, the journey. So it's beautiful to be able to dedicate her today, Amalia. 1 Samuel 1, 27, I prayed for this child and prayed and prayed. And the Lord has granted me what I ask of him. Amen. And that comes from the story of Hannah dedicating uh, Samuel to the Lord after she had prayed and prayed. And next but not least, we have who was with us before, Chris and Angela Cochran. Pass the mic there, and we'll start with the oldest first. All right, this is Laria Marie Cochran. Laria, your big day. <laughs> You're dressed up sharp. She wanted to look like an angel. So, <laughs> you know, Psalm, a veil, same thing, right? <laughs> Psalm 149.3, let them praise his name with dancing. Let them sing praises to him with the tremble and the lyre. And it would only make sense that your kids would have these kinds of verses. <laughs> That's great. And who's the guy? And this is Roman Tyler Cochran. And Roman's got his guitar on the slide. Oh. Roman, he has rhythm. And if you're ever here during practices, that is a future drummer, yes. without question. <laughs> Roman, the verse that your folks have picked for you is Psalm 154. Praise him with timbrel, the hand drum, and dancing. Praise him with stringed instruments and with pipe. And then the final one. And then the last one, who is sleeping. This is Abriel Rose Cochran. Abriel, your verse comes from Colossians 3.16. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs, with the Spirit singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And each of you are well-loved and well-thought um, of as we join together with some words of encouragement and exhortation to your parents. I want to encourage you, each of you who have a Bible in your hand, to be able to let that book guide you all the days of your life. Because in that book, and I got mine here, is the instructions for how God meant for us to live lives that are fully alive in Him. And your parents are going to do their best. They will not be perfect. And you've probably already witnessed that. <laughs> but they will do their best to raise you in godliness, and to seek to know the Lord Jesus Christ. It says this in Deuteronomy that was evident. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and upon your gates. Parents, I'm going to invite you to just give a word of affirmation concerning these points of dedication. Do you dedicate yourselves as parents to bring up 
bring up your children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord? If so, say, we do. Do you promise to instruct them in the Bible, in the practice of prayer, to guide them in the development of Christ-like character, and to diligently bring them to the church family and the services to worship where he will be taught the, where they will be taught the way of life? If so, answer, we do. Do you promise to try to the best of your ability to so shape the home life of your children by family devotions, by your words and your example that he that that they at the proper age will most naturally come to an open confession of Christ, thus appropriating by a living faith that spiritual life that is obtained in and through Jesus Christ, thereby coming in to the community and the body of Christ. If so, answer we do. And on behalf of these parents and this congregation, we come and we now extend a prayer of blessing over their lives. They have the parents a rose, two roses actually. The red rose symbolizes the blood of Jesus Christ because it's through the blood of Jesus Christ, his death and his resurrection, whereby we have the forgiveness of our sins and the hope of eternal salvation. You carry that red rose into every day of their life, living by example before them of the resurrected Lord. The white rose represents the purity that comes in our life, our identity in him, and we're going to be talking about that some today. The white rose represents the work that Christ is doing in their life. It's an ongoing work, and I guess you could take the green part of the roses and see that as growth, that they would grow in the wisdom and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to have anybody who is connected as extended family or maybe even close friends that has come today or maybe is a part of the congregation, would you stand where you're at in acknowledgement of these families that are here? And I'm going to invite my wife, Melissa, back up. And we are going to pray a prayer of blessing over these families and these children. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus Christ, we come before you to acknowledge the beauty of new life. You chose in each womb for these children to be born into this world, to be in relationship with you. And Lord, now we take our opportunity to pray a prayer of blessing upon each and every child. Lord, we pray over each family that you would bless them and guide them. Lord, for Jacob, Lord, we ask that you would take his life and use it in a special way as he seeks to love and serve you as surely as he's seen his parents do so, Lord. May he grow in the wisdom and the knowledge of you. Lord Jesus, we pray over Aletheia. Lord, for her to be able to come into relationship with you at a very young age and for her to take the gifts you've given her and that you would strengthen her life each and every year, that she would be able to serve your holy purposes. And for her parents, Lord, that they would be able to have wisdom and knowledge beyond their years to know how to lead and guide as they faithfully step out to seek and to love you in their life. And Lord Jesus, we come to Nick and Lana's family, this extended, blended, beautiful story of how you worked in their life, and we pray over their children, for Lila and for Jacob, Lord, for Natalia, and Amalia, we pray, God, that you would bless each of them. Lord, for the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Lord, may you pour out your Spirit into each child's life in their own uniqueness as they would seek to be able to come into relationship with you and serve and follow your purposes all the days of their life. And Lord, for Nick and Lana, just a special blessing as they continue to serve and love you in their home. 
And Lord, then finally for the Cochrans, we, of course, are always blessed with Angela leading us into worship as she did this morning. But Lord, we have the privilege to be able to pray over their lives today and to pray over their children. For Loria, for Roman, for Abriel, we pray, God, that you would strengthen them to truly be worshipers of you, to worship you in spirit and truth, that they at a young age would come into a vibrant relationship with you and that they would honor you with all of their lives. Lord, we just thank you for the blessing it is to pray for them and for their parents and for all the children, all nine that are represented here, really ten that are before us. And so, Lord, their dedication, as surely as Hannah dedicated Samuel before you, Take these children and be glorified in relationship with them and lead them into your full purpose in all things. And God's people said, amen, amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated and they will step back into your classrooms. Thanks, guys. It was a privilege. Is there anybody in this room who has actually had their identity stolen? Is that right? Is it a fun thing to go through? No. Why? Because you got to kill a bunch of stuff, shut things off, reestablish it, and sometimes it's difficult to even prove you are who you are when someone else has stolen your identity. Each of us would take that as a personal offense. We are who we are as an individual. No one else should be taking our identity. Well, as we mentioned last week, we stepped into this series called Identity in Christ. And we said that there is one who is wanting to steal your identity. Whether you are a Christ follower this morning or you're just checking out God for the first time, I guarantee you in the spiritual realm this is true. Satan does not want you to know your identity in Christ. And so as we unpack that more this morning, I want to encourage you to be mindful of the battle that's going on in your life. As surely as somebody who has had their identity stolen has to go to battle to get that identity back or to cut the other person off who has taken it as maybe, you know, draining some uh, checking accounts or doing some other things that are totally inappropriate, we need to be in battle to make sure that our identity in Christ is not stolen by the adversary. And how does the adversary do that? Well, he does it in several ways, right? He does it by the antics and the words of other people. We let what other people say to us make us know how we feel. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's not good. Sometimes somebody will say, well, who do you think you are that you think you should be able to do that? You're no good at that. And whether it's somebody that's saying that because of maybe uh, uh, a practice of uh, a musician or a sporting uh, event, or maybe it's just being able to be successful in school, they have put a label on you. We live in a culture that's wanting to put labels on us. And so the adversary attacks us in our identity by what other people say. He also attacks us by things that have happened to us in our life. Maybe something tragically happened to you that branded you as a big L on your forehead, a loser. I can't ever sustain a relationship with somebody. I've gone through some multiple marriages. It's just, just terrible. I don't know. It's other people. Maybe it's me. I don't know. But you find yourself branding who you are according to your past mistakes. Maybe it's the lies that you're telling yourself. Do you tell yourself any lies? I'm just stupid. I'll... I'll never make it. That's, that's never going to be true of me. The adversary works in all these kinds of ways and many others to get you to not fulfill 
your identity and who God made you and who Christ made you. He steals your identity. And I guarantee you, it happens every single day. Stealing your identity. You know, this image up here has the, the uh, imprint, of uh, a thumb imprint or your um, ID. I remember growing up and I was told that there are never any two fingerprints the same. Did you believe that? Well, apparently it's true, right? I just, they also said there was never two snowflakes the same. Uh, it's true of DNA, that's for sure. But you're thinking, really? No one else in the whole world has that imprint that's on your fingers. I recently had to sign for something, and we had the notary person come in, and they do what? They bring out the little pad of ink, and thankfully the ink doesn't, it's not permanent like you used to. You can wash it off, but it's like, put your thumb on the ink, and then you put it on where you sign your signature, right? We came through election week, and there's always that uh, concern that somebody is going to inappropriately vote or is not registered to vote, and so you're supposed to sign your name, and then the comparison of some of the signatures, and I guess that's why some of these elections have all been delayed. I guess they're comparing signatures, but boy, it seems like a really long time to be a week out and not know, right? And so you're, you're taking your identity and using it to... Get a privilege or to have a contractual thing happen. It's your identity. And whether it's a signature, a fingerprint, a DNA test, whatever it may be, your identity opens up possibilities for you because you are you. And it doesn't open up possibilities for someone else because they are not you. You want to know your identity in Christ because your identity in Christ is going to open you up to happiness in life, to purpose in life, to meaning in life. If you don't know your identity, then you're not going to find those things. But the world and Satan behind that is trying to get you to experiment and test out different kinds. Maybe I should be this. Maybe I should be that kind of thing. Now, you, you need to get exposure to all kinds of things that God maybe says, yeah, I gifted you to do this. I've gifted you to do that. But you should always be moving yourself back to an understanding of your identity in Christ because it's Christ Jesus that made you. And whoever makes you knows how you can best find purpose and meaning in life. We mentioned last week that there was a um, very smart person by the name of Blaise Pascal. And he said this. He said, not only do we know God by Jesus Christ alone, but we know ourselves only by Jesus Christ. We know life and death only through Jesus Christ. Apart from Jesus Christ, we do not know what is our meaning in life, nor the meaning of our death, nor the meaning of who God is, nor what's happening in the universe. Now, you might think, well, that's an appropriate kind of quote because we're in church. But do the people in your work environment tomorrow believe that? It's interesting, this whole discussion on identity, to be honest. It was actually the modern psychology world of the 60s and the 70s that gave birth to things like trying to find your self-esteem, trying to find your identity, who you really are. And the reality is that that didn't really consume a lot of generations before us. Decades, centuries, millenniums. It's sort of a thing for our culture a little bit. Like, well, who are you? How do you feel? What's it like for you inside? I mean, you know, you got to let that come out. There's sometimes a myopic focus oneself. And we get all stressed out and anxious 
focusing on ourself. Sometimes I refer to it as belly button gazing. What about me? What's going on inside of me? My feelings. You're not validating me. You're not affirming me. And there's this myopic focus on the self-life that starts to pull us away from what we were created for, which is the Christ life. It's the Christ life of Christ in you that is your hope of glory, Scripture states. And you cannot know God other than through Jesus Christ. It says that in, first John, in, in the first chapter of John. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, He has explained Him. God sent Jesus because we had no way of knowing about God on a personal level. We would have known that God is, you know, maybe an awesome, uh, maybe a creator or whatever out there, but there's lightning bolts and storms and other things. There is nothing in the context of what's referred to as general revelation that reveals to us the very nature of who God is. So God sent his son, Jesus Christ, who is fully God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and Jesus Christ showed us the essence, the heart of who God is. You want to get to know God? Then you ought to pick up this Bible and start to read the red words of Jesus and the stories of Jesus because Jesus reveals God to us. But as Pascal says in this quote, it's not only that we know God by and through Jesus Christ, But we don't know ourselves except through Jesus Christ. And so as we look at Jesus Christ and his understanding of us, and he created us, then we begin to more understand who we are. And then we need to live out that life from that identity in Christ. Because it's not a self-life that you're called to. You are called to a Christ life. And the Christ life is a transformed life. We looked at this verse last week, which is spot on concerning our identity in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Let's read this together. Ready? Here we go. We'll dial you in. Therefore, we'll start there again. Sing a little louder. Right? Okay. (laughs) Ready? Therefore, if... If anyone is in Christ, something old's gone, and something new's here. It's not the new and improved you, it's really the replaced you. Christ living in you. In Christ, we are new creations. In Christ is the phrase used a ton of times in the New Testament. Easily over 150 different times, 80 plus sometimes that the phrase actually in Christ is used. Sometimes it's then more places where it says in him and then in whom. Only two times the word Christian is in the New Testament. They were trying to get a hold of this whole new creation, this whole new way of life. You see in the Old Testament and and. Um, we, we had some Jewish worship going there today with the line of Judah and El Shaddai, that kind of thing, right? They had years upon years, century upon century, millennium upon millennia of worshiping God, El Shaddai, Yahweh, Adonai, all the names for God. But in the New Testament, that God became flesh. And he came and walked. He lived a perfect life. He died. He rose from the grave breaking the power of Satan's sin that tries to manipulate you and coerce you. And so when you became a follower, a believer in this Jesus Christ who everybody you know, had seen around that was resurrected, oh my goodness, this is an incredible day. They were trying to grasp on ways to describe what, what is this. You know, Their identity as a Jewish person, as a Hebrew, really wasn't there because this is the Messiah they longed for and he was God himself, which blew them away. They never realized that. And so they came up with this thing of saying, in Christ, 
Are you in Christ? Are you in Him? Yes, we talk about it here in modern era, a lot about Christ being in us, right? I want to invite Jesus in my life. We prayed over children today that they at a young age would pray to receive Jesus in their life, which was his spirit being knit with our spirit. But the question is, is not so much sometimes as to if Jesus or Christ is in us, but do we understand what it means to be in Christ and does our identity connect with being in Christ or does our identity go by the way of what other people say by your past experiences by the lies you put in your head because you need to live your life out from this new life this new creation now let me pause to make something very clear today or I'd be accountable before God Almighty you are not in Christ nor can you really discover your identity in Christ unless you become a new creation, which means you choose. Because God's a gentleman. He doesn't violate your will. He's given you a free will. We see it all the way back to the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, right? Why didn't he just make them robots where they were forced to love him? Well, do you want your spouse to be forced to love you? Or do you like the idea that they choose and pick to love you? Right? Freedom of will is critical in this. And so God created human beings, but you must choose to repent, which means turn from a life of indifference and turn towards Jesus and say, I believe, Jesus, you are God himself come in the flesh that you died on the cross for me. And then I want to invite you into my life. You have to make a decision, a personal decision to be in Christ. And if you've not made that decision this morning, this is a great place to discover it. Some people around you want to encourage that. Ask the hard questions. Jesus says, bring it on. But there's a marked difference between those who are in Christ and those who are not in Christ. Are you in Christ today? Have you crossed that line of faith where the old is gone, the new is here? Because the new is not the self-life, it's the Christ life. This is our challenge then. If you've crossed that line of faith, if you are in Christ this morning, when you are in Christ, all that is true of him changes what is true of you. All that is true of Christ changes what is true of you. No longer listening to the banterings of others or being manipulated or coerced to be somebody that they like or someone you think would be uh, the example of success or maybe bring you happiness and fulfillment. Your responsibility, if you are in Christ, is to understand who Christ is because what is true of Him then changes what is true true of you. This week, um, tonight, is week 10 for the Ruta group that I'm currently in. And I love every Ruta group I get to walk through because we get to know one another, connect with one another, connect with God's purposes, but we get to connect with Jesus together. And so this concluding night of this fall term rooted group that I'm in, I passed out something this last week, and I went ahead and even passed it out to uh, the staff this week, and I passed it out uh, to the board because we met this week, because us as leaders need to be reminded of this, and, and I just felt after walking through that word of exhortation last week and rooted, and then with staff and the board that I probably ought to just bring it to all of us today. And it has to do with our identity in Christ and knowing that all that is true of him is true of us and that we have a ton of blessings that come to us when we've made that decision to be in Christ. And some of you are struggling in your Christian faith right now. You found yourself just dragging to get here to church. Maybe you haven't really prayed a sincere prayer to God for a long time. 
Or if you had, you just lifted up your frustration and anger to him, and that's appropriate. You can bring whatever to God. Maybe you're sensing just the doldrums. You know, it's been a few years into your faith. It's not as vibrant. It's not new. It's like, oh, yeah, I hear all things become new. The old is past. Yeah, that past was far gone. Sort of forget about it. And the new stuff, well, it's sort of lost its shine a little bit. Well, I want you to know that in Christ, all that's true of him is true of you, and it's new every morning. His mercies are new every morning, scriptures teach. And what I'm about to walk you through is a list of things that's true of you if you're in Christ, because your identity is found in him. And this list was uh, placed on a bookmark. So I passed the bookmark out to my groups that I'd mentioned. Somebody on the board said, I've been through Rooted twice. I never got this little bookmarker. I said, that's because I was too cheap to buy them, but uh, here's one. I don't have bookmarkers for you this morning, but I do have a copy of this on your way out if you want to pick it up. So don't feel bad if you get a little bit lost as I read through these. But what this little bookmark does is it gives acknowledgement it gives acknowledgement of what our true identity is in him what our true identity is in him and this bookmark is reflecting uh, upon what rooted is um, which is being obedient to what's recorded in Colossians 2 6 through 7 that says this so then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord right? You cross that line of faith. You are in him. Continue to live your lives, what? In him. Continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in the world. No. Built up in, in him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. And so this little bookmark, and we're going to read through this list, I want you to find yourself recalibrating the blessing that's in your life. And I want you to just sort of let these words of affirmation of who you are in Christ to cascade over you like a big time waterfall, like you're standing here. I almost wanted to put a picture of a waterfall up here, and I could have done that motion, but I didn't get around to it. And just, just let the water fall on you of his refreshment. This is true of you, Christian. In Christ person, this is true of you. It doesn't change. Even if you're in the doldrums, doesn't change as you grow older. Doesn't mean anything less for you if you're a newborn believer in Jesus. This is true of you if you are in Christ. And let the cascading waterfall of these statements lead you to a spirit of thanksgiving, especially in this season of the year. So here we go. You ready? You might want to close your eyes or you can just listen to me. My true identity. God is pleased with how he made me. Genesis 1:31. I am God's masterpiece. Ephesians 2:10. I am a child of God. John 1:12. I am a son of God and an heir. Galatians 4, 7. I have been adopted as God's son and daughter. Ephesians 1, 5. I can call Christ brother. Hebrews 2, 11. God raised me up with Christ and seated me with him in the heavenly realms in Christ. Ephesians 2, 6 and 7. The spirit of God dwells in me. 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Christ calls me friend. John 15, 15. I am joined to the Lord in one spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. I am a member of the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. I have been redeemed through God's grace. Ephesians 1, 7. I have been given fullness in Christ. Colossians 2.10, I have received power through the Holy Spirit, 
Acts 1.8, I work together with Christ. 2 Corinthians 6.1, I am a new creation in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17, I am a minister of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5.18, I am an ambassador for Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.20, I am sealed with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1.13, I may approach God with freedom and confidence. Ephesians 3.12, Christ is the vine and I am the branch. John 15, 5. I am the salt and light of the earth. Matthew 5, 13, 14. The Lord renews my strength. Isaiah 40, 29. I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. 2 Corinthians 1, 7. I am created in Christ Jesus for good works. Ephesians 2, 10. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13, Christ is with me always, even to the end of the earth. Matthew 28.20 and 2 Timothy 2.10 says, I will have eternal glory. Cascading truth. Those are the words you need to hear. Turn off media. Shut down social media. Just spend some moments relishing in your new identity. Your continual identity as a believer in Christ. So, What do you think of, what do you feel when you hear that list? That's your lunch hour conversation, your drive home conversation. But know this, these statements, and it's only some, are the truths that you need to be focused on so that you can live out your life in Christ as he purposed and intended for you. I'm going to close by having us read a passage in Ephesians. This passage, ten times, the Apostle Paul just rips the phrase, in Christ or in Him, straight into his writing to exhort us. This identity in Christ issue is a serious matter for us. Not only for your own happiness and your fulfillment and purpose in life, but for the glory of God. And you'll see from this context the transcendent wonder of what this is for El Shaddai, the God Almighty, Adonai, Elohim, from ages past, Yahweh, who is the same, to have come close to you for you to have new life in him. This is what this world is about. Not so many of those things that we spent time worrying about, stressing about, spending money on. You were born to be in Christ, to be not only in a relationship with him, but to be formed by him because he is your identity. This passage is a continuing waterfall in your life. The spiritual blessings of Christ, I really do want it to center our month of Thanksgiving. And not just to wait until next Sunday, which is sort of Thanksgiving Sunday, and we have the potluck, and we enjoy things, and then family comes, and we try to get all the spread done. May there be a place of centering in your life concerning gratitude, who you are in Christ. This incredible, 
beautiful reality that we can live with not only in this life, but for eternity as we live with him. Paul, one who persecuted Christians because he didn't understand this in the early days. We looked at him last week who had all these accolades, all the, all the stripes of honor in the Jewish faith and in his culture. He considered it nothing. I consider it all rubbish for the sake of knowing Christ and being found in him. It's that Paul that writes these words and he's grasping for trying to unpack it for us. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to God. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him, we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in accordance with the purpose of his will. In order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included. You also were included in Christ When you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. I'm going to ask Angela to come back. We're going to sing that song about the Lord God Almighty. The ushers, you can take your places to receive the Lord's tithes and offerings, as well as your connect cards. But as Angela comes, I want us to pray. And I'm going to pray for two groups of people today. I want to pray for those of you who have never had the opportunity to cross the line of faith and commit your life to Jesus and to be found in him. If anyone is in Christ, old things pass away and behold, all things become new. You this morning could do that. And then I want to pray for those of us who are in Christ. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we ask this morning that your spirit, who's brought a point of conviction in the hearts of each of us, would speak clearly about what we are to do. And Lord, for anyone in this room who has never 
cross the line of faith and being found in you a new creation. And they desire here this morning to have all that is true of you, Christ, to be true of them. I pray, Lord Jesus, through your Holy Spirit, that you would lead them in a prayer of repentance, belief and acceptance. In fact, if you're in that place this morning, I just invite you to repeat these words in your mind. It's not the words, it's the disposition of, disposition of the heart and the surrender. Just pray these words, dear Lord Jesus Christ. There's a lot I don't know about you. But what I've heard today makes me want to have hope in you. I thank you for dying on a cross and being raised from the grave for the forgiveness of my sin. And I now repent of my sin and my indifference and I turn to you. I invite you into my life so that I may be found in you. Lord Jesus, come into my life and from this day forward, I will seek to love and honor you. Thank you for my salvation in this hour. In your name I pray. Amen. My prayer for you, if you're in Christ today, and if you prayed that prayer of commitment to Jesus, we want to encourage and celebrate with you about your newfound faith. It's the beginning. Just as surely as these children, we celebrated their new birth in their life, you have new life in Christ. That connect card, there's a place to mark that you're committing your life to Christ. We'd love to follow up with you. But for those of you who are in Christ, I want you to understand what that really means because it's confusing. In part, the life of Jesus lives and exists in today this card, all those things that are true of your identity. If I was to place this card in this Bible and I was to close this Bible, where is the card? In the Bible. If I was to take this Bible home, where would the card be? In my house. If I was to take this Bible and ship it across to a relative in another state, where would the card be? In that other state. When you are in Christ, it means you hide yourself in him. And that all is true of him, you now take on as your identity. What's true of him is now true of you. And you have to walk that experience out every day of your life. But Jesus had an incredible plan. His disciples were scared when he said he was going to go away. Because they were like, hey man, we need you hanging around. Jesus knows to your advantage that I go away because if I go, I will send the Holy Spirit and he'll be with you forever. And in that was this incredible dynamic of God of the universe himself coming so that you didn't have to walk according to a self-life, but you could walk according to a Christ-life and your life could be found in him. And wherever he goes, there you are. He died on the cross for his sins. That was provision for your sins being covered. He was raised from the grave. You will have a resurrected life into a new life eternal, but also to a new life today. When you are in Christ, all that's true of him is now true of you. And so as we sing this, may this be your blessing. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Satan, you have no rights whatsoever to mess with anyone's identity in this room. Because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ and the power of the resurrection, every believer that's in Christ today, Satan, you cannot touch. And Holy Spirit, may you come and you dwell within the presence of each person's life. And Jesus, may you take each person that's in you and hide them close to your bosom. And may they have their full identity written, rewritten and defined not according to the ways of the world and the experiences of the past, but according to who we are in you, Jesus. Every day this week. Amen and amen. Will you stand as we sing? Maybe you want to pray along the altar. There's a prayer area over here to your right. 
If you want to pray with someone about a need, join in prayer. Let's worship him. And this is your benediction on your way out. Let's sing together.